This is Elizabeth's story. Welcome back to the Six Feet Above podcast. I'm very, very excited because this is where we are taking a pivot in this podcast, not only from mental health, but more to like a business perspective. And I am joined today by Elizabeth Schmidt, who is the founder of ATL Boards here local in Atlanta, but like national acclaim. So I'm very excited that you're literally sitting in my condo right now and I get to talk to you. Is this your first podcast? It is my very first one. Well, welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to hear your story. I'm excited to, um, you're kind of like my first tester of making this pivot. So we're going to see how it goes and what comes up. But ATL Boards, what is it? Yes. So ATL (laughs) Boards is a candy board company. We're based out of Atlanta, Georgia, where we were born. Um, But we ship anywhere and everywhere in the United States, and we source the most unique, most delicious candy from around the world and curate it stylishly, thematically into acrylic trays. So, so many questions, right? Everyone's like, how the heck did that even come about, right? Right. How long have you been around? So about two years now. Okay. So did you start, if I can remember correctly, it was before the pandemic? Yes, just before the pandemic. And you were kind of just like, I'm going to give this a whirl because I think at first you were dipping your toe in different types of boards. I was. And then you really got more niche. Niche. I never know exactly. how to say that I word. Me neither. <laughs> how the fuck do you say that word? <laughs> no, um, that's exactly what happened. I kind of was just like, I'm just going to jump and assemble the airplane on the way down. And that's exactly what I did. And at first I started out doing a little bit of everything. And then I really, candy was like my thing. Like I love candy for taste, texture, flavor, variety. I love the colors. I love styling it. And to be totally honest, cheese board making for some reason was very stressful to me. And I don't know why. Like candy board making is like relaxing and fun. And I I don't know, something about the cheese board. So as I was really going with it and really realizing what I had not only the passion for, but the niche for it, like that's and and the desire. I mean, yeah. people really were like, "What is this? Um, we need this. This is the best tasting candy we've ever tasted. Yeah. This looks amazing." So it was not only driven by like consumer demand, but also what I wanted. Right, right. Mm-hmm. So you know what's interesting is I think this is I just thought of it, but I think it's going to be a theme when I'm talking to business owners. Is sometimes we are so hesitant to start something because. Obviously, we're scared of what the rest of the world's going to think. We're scared of it failing. We're scared of losing money or whatever. But I really decided in, you know, my own businesses to say yes, because sometimes you don't even know what the opportunity is going to be. And like, it's hard to even set a goal because Mm -hmm. when you're just getting started, starting out, you don't even know, you have no, like, you can't even fathom where it's going to go. Like, did you think... In two years, you were you would even be where you are right now. No, not like, at all. Did you start no. it as kind of like you were hoping it was going to be a business, but let's just start it as a hobby? Like, what was your initial thinking, or you know, what was your initial reason for doing it other than just I like candy? Right. So honestly, it was like supposed to be a side hustle mm. thing. It was it was brought about by so many things, and to be honest, one of them was insecurities. Okay, like, I was insecure with no reason to be insecure in my life because I allowed other people, meaning, so 
I moved to um, from Connecticut okay. to Atlanta. I had Penelope. I had this three-month-old child. Yep. You know, time went on. I didn't really know anyone. Trying to, like, put myself out there. I was having a hard time meeting people. You know, I'm around these other moms that are like, do you work? Do you mm. work? You don't work? And I was like, for some reason, I allowed those people to have an impact on my life, which I never should have. Right, there right. is no harder job than being a mother. <laughs> and I know a lot of working moms that are like, I work because I don't want to deal with that all day. And I get both sides. Yeah, yeah. So it was kind of like I had this weird pressure that I needed to do something. But in all honesty, I also wanted to do something. So I was kind of conflicted. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to start at this as a side hustle. My passion has always been like art, fashion, styling, okay. food. And I just went for it. And it was almost, it's kind of ironic because it was like I combined this feeling of feeling judged by other mm-hmm. people with the art of like not giving a fuck. Mm. Because like that's really what I did. Yeah. I put myself out there knowing that I will be fully judged. Yep. And um, I just saw Tink say a quote from, I think it was like, it was one of her magazines. And it was like, if you are, it, I'm ad-libbing, but like if you aren't cringing from the photos of you or your work from a year ago, a year ago, you're not growing. Yes. And like, yes. that's exactly how I feel. And even like an answer to your question, like, how, would you imagine yourself here? Like I think of myself a year ago and it's like, what? But it just, <laughs> so I just put myself mm-hmm. out there. Mm-hmm. I just was like, I'm just going to do it and let's see what happens. And it's funny because like my personality I knew this was never – I knew deep down this was never going to be like, oh, it's a side hustle, like a little thing. I knew like once I opened the door, mm-hmm. once I took the leap, like I was going to go full force. Yeah. And I yeah. was really going to try and make it into a real business and really something. Yeah. Well, I think sometimes too in, in life when you are so insecure or you're so sad or you're so upset or whatever, it's like, what's the worst that can happen? Mm-hmm. Like I'm already feeling this way. Exactly. So I might as well try it and like it's really not going to get much worse. <laughs> a thousand percent. And not only that, anyone that you ever meet in your life anywhere that is giving you any sort of negative mm-hmm. feedback or saying anything negative, the issue is them. Correct. They have an issue with themselves. Yeah. And it's yeah. like – Anyone with any negativity, it has nothing to do with you. Yep. So it, it, it's ironic and it's funny to look back. Mm-hmm. And it's like I look back at some of those moms and it's like it wasn't me. Right. It was them. Right. Like they had an issue with themselves and even my presence. 100%. 100%. It's um, so very interesting. So I like that you mentioned Connecticut. So let's yeah. go back. Okay. Where, you're, you're originally from Connecticut? No. So I was born in New York. And uh-huh. My family, we lived there until I was 13. Then we moved to North Carolina, which okay. I went to high school there. Then I went, moved to Florida for college, stayed there for college and grad school where I met my husband. Then I lived there. I lived there for almost nine years. Then moved to Connecticut for his medical You lived training. in Florida for almost nine years? Uh-huh. Oh, gosh. I, did. I didn't know that. Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. Um, so then moved to Connecticut for his medical training. We were there for four years. And then finally, we were able to just move where the best opportunity for his job Got it. Got it. Yeah. So what was um what was kind of like growing up like as far as work ethic in your home? Mm-hmm. What do your parents do? Like what were you surrounded by when you were younger? Right. So I was both of my parents are attorneys. Okay. Um, but my father has always owned, operated his own law practice. Mm-hmm. And his father before that was a real um commercial real estate developer. So 
I was always around this entrepreneurial spirit because yeah. they were always business owners. They may not have been creating their own product and marketing that, but it was always a self-owned business. Sure. So I feel like I always grew up sort of with that in the back of my mm -hmm. mind, seeing someone create their own thing, be their own boss. Um, my mom is extremely intelligent, mm -hmm. extremely hardworking. She did not work when I was growing up. But in the past, I would say 10 years, she's gone back to work, like managing my father's office. Yeah. Um, and I feel like she works harder now, we joke, than she ever did. <laughs> but I just grew up in a home, I feel like, with like, I've, I'm like fully blessed, you yeah. know, loving yeah. parents, fully Same. supported financially, emotionally, um, great examples of hard work, work ethic. I mean, <laughs> I feel like part it was really hard to swallow at the time, but has made me who I am today. Like, for example, you know, as I've said, I've always loved fashion yeah. style. When everyone was getting handbags and things, I was told, if you want something like that, you have to work for right. it. So right. So I've worked my entire life. Same. Entire life. Which everyone like, thinks, I think, sorry to interrupt you, but I yeah. think like, because my dad's an attorney. So they're like, oh, it must be nice. Like your parents. And I'm like, no, you have no idea. Right. I got 5.15 an hour to work his front desk. <laughs> so you know? Yeah. Like <laughs> no, I definitely did it all. Babysitting, yeah. lifeguarding, yep. Yep. working in boutiques, you know, whatever it was, um, I did. <laughs> so, and even I have to say, like, because really I attribute this to my mother, but she's given me the gift of like, be, being philanthropic and yeah. giving back because even when I was 13 I had about mitzvah it was like they made me do not made me I mean, it was kind of like this is what we were going to do it was like in lieu of gifts like please donate to xyz mm -hmm. and at the time I was like devastated I was like I want that Kate Spade <laughs> backpack that everyone else is getting and I'm donating right, right but you know looking back at the bigger picture always instilling giving back um serving my community, yeah. things that are just so important that now I strive and work as hard as I can to show my own child and just to practice in my everyday life. Yeah. Yeah. Which we're going to talk about because I know you're mm -hmm. getting involved in something locally here mm -hmm. um, with women's shelters and stuff. Um, but let's talk about like your first job. What, mm -hmm. what was that? Do I you remember? My first real job was the lifeguarding job. Okay. Yeah. Which was, you know, so it was at a country club, which my parents actually belonged to, but I was the lifeguard. But what was also entailed was just like the towels and the uh -huh, running around uh -huh, and like cleaning bathrooms, uh -huh, which was uh -huh. the worst ever. The worst ever. It was just, they were so wet and like sandy and just yes. all the gross uh -huh. things. I was yeah. a lifeguard for 14 years and like mm -hmm. it was, it was the best and worst job at the same, same yeah. exact time. Right. Um, so much fun. So much fun to be outside and like right. in the sun and, you know, mm -hmm. all that. But uh, the things that like we had to clean up were, we won't even, we won't even talk about it. Right. And we both came from the world of swimming. Yes. So yes, yes, yes. I guess Wait, did natural. you actually compete too? I did, but not in a college level. Okay. Okay. Yeah. But I still had to, I mean, as you know, the training, it's yeah. like, I feel like it's sort of abnormal for any child to train that way, to wake up before school, mm -hmm. when you're in middle school, mm -hmm. before you go to school and practice in the pool for like over an hour, yeah. then practice after school for multiple hours. Yeah. I mean, And lift lot. weights when you're like 12, yep. 13 years old uh -huh. as a female, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That was, uh, that's a whole nother world, whole It nother is. life. Um, but I also think like, I don't know. And, and granted I played softball, but like swimming was my real thing. I uh -huh. think it taught me such great, um, first of all, discipline, 
hundred percent. But also like the skill, time management skills, yeah. right? Like mm-hmm. being able to take twenty four hours and break them down. Yep. Um, so that I know how to manage my time as I got older, and especially like through college and all of that. And work ethic. And I'm work like, ethic. There's no other work ethic. Then, well, an athlete, but a swimmer in right, my mind. Right, like Your work ethic Yes, is- there's something about swimming that's, uh, I don't it's hard to explain unless mm. you, like, have been in that boat. A hundred percent. No pun intended. And it's very, like, singular. Right. And in a yes. way, isolated. Yes. You're yes. underwater with no sound. Mm-hmm. Your own thoughts mm-hmm. competing against yourself. Yeah. It's... Which is now yeah. my favorite way to exercise because I'm like, I'm underwater yeah. with nothing else going on. <laughs> no one can talk to you. <laughs> exactly. I'm like, no one can bother me. All right, right. So where did you go to college? I went to Rollins College, which was a small um, liberal arts college okay. in Florida. In okay. Park, Florida. What did you study? Art history. Okay. <laughs> which, you know, going back, if I had to do – I always say this. I'm like, if I had to do it again, like I would do all these – so many things right. differently. But yet, I guess I really wouldn't because then I wouldn't be where I am where today. Where you are. Yeah have the people in my life that I have. So, um, but I studied art history at the time. I was real, I mean, I still, I'm very into art, but I thought either, you know, I wanted to go work in a museum Mm -hmm. one day or I wanted to be a buyer for a department store. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. So did you go to, you didn't go to grad school then, I did, did? yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, and this is the thing where it's like, it's funny, you get like a lot of closed doors in life. Mm -hmm. Um, I thought I wanted to, didn't know what I wanted to do really after college. I was kind of like, oh my gosh, like how did I get here? What am I going yeah. to do? So I should keep going to school. <laughs> so I was like, I'll be a lawyer because that's what my yeah. parents are. Yep. And I don't know. So I applied to law schools. I didn't get in anywhere. I'm a horrible standardized test taker. It's just mm. like not my skill. I've always been horrible at it. Um, I didn't get in anywhere. And then I was like, I'll apply to business school. <laughs> I mean, um, I love that. Got an interview to the business school of the college where I went to. I had horrible GMAT scores, but in the interview, I was like, I have stick to itiveness. <laughs> I can do you know, all the things. And I got accepted. And I was like, great, I'm going to go. Fast forward a month. I then got accepted into a law school that I was waitlisted. So oh. it's either like, do you want to go to law school or do you want to go to business school? And I'm fortunate enough to even fortunate enough to even have had those right. choices. Um, but I chose to go to business school with in mind that I wanted to either be a buyer for a department store or like Target at the time had an amazing um, merchandising buying program, Okay, which I also didn't get into. So there's a lot, <laughs> a lot of things. You know what's crazy I, is like it, ta- it can take like 20 years to realize why uh-huh. something did not happen. And that's exactly, that's what I was going to get into. I'll never forget this. So that didn't happen. I like made it halfway, but then there was this big test to take, which yeah. I am not a good test taker. So I know that didn't go well. Then um, I was the, I fought my way to be the PR intern at Neiman Marcus in Orlando. Oh. Finally got that. Was so excited because I was like, that's my way that I could work uh-huh. to try and get into this buying program. Had to take a test online. <sighs> I had my mom help me with that. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. So I passed that test. Oh, thank God. Yeah. We passed one. But this was 2008 when the economy had crashed mm. and things were not really going well. So I never really heard back from them. So I was pushed my boss at the time. was like, hey, what's going on? They're like, okay, like you'll get the interview. You fly to Dallas with a group. Um, and you'll have an interview process. And I really didn't know what to expect. But when I got there, I just was like so unprepared, I feel like, for what I was about to embark on, yeah. where 
we went to this dinner and there were other buyers, senior buyers there and executives. And I guess you're being judged the entire time without really knowing that you're being judged, which is like extremely awkward. Um, And you're with this group of people and everyone's like fighting for the same position. And like when we got there, even they were like, listen, like the economy is what it is. Like we've already had two classes come through. There's only two spots left if we even decide to open up those. And I'm like, okay, well, there's about like 20 people here, but (laughs) we'll see. So I kind of just went with it. um, And there was a test, a surprise test. Oh, no. So that didn't go well, as you know. But the one thing that stuck out of my – stuck out to me, I remember specifically someone talking about the current CEO of Neiman Marcus at the time. I can't remember her name. Okay. And they said – she interviewed and went through this exact same process that you went through to be in this buying program, and she did not get accepted. And now she is the CEO of Neiman Marcus. And I just sat there and I'm like, one day, yeah. that's going to be me. Because <laughs> I, I, I knew, that. I was like, I'm not getting in here. Mm-hmm, like, I just mm-hmm. knew it. And at the time, I was so devastated. I thought it was the end of my, the world. Fast forward to 2021. Right. And Saks contacts me to bring my product like like that's my full circle moment you know have my product be in their stores and I know it's not the same I'm not the CEO of Human Marcus but I just have like even now repeating this story it's like I have I just got chills and it's like you know what I sat there a decade prior Mm -hmm. and told myself like one day and I didn't even know what I was even really talking about but like one day I knew like this would all yeah. come full circle. And I I love that story because I am a big believer in having goals and knowing that you're going to do something. But like we get so caught up in like how, uh-huh. how am I going to do it? And it's like, don't, don't worry about that. Like the universe, God, whatever you believe in. Right. That will be taken care of if you're a hard worker, if you're a good person, if you have goals, if you mm-hmm. set them, if you break them down into many little pieces, like... We're going to talk about all this later too, because I know that you listen to the same podcast and and people that I listen to, but it's one of those things where I would tell my 25-year-old self that stay the course, stay the course, stay the course, know what you want in the long run, know what kind of life you want to lead. Absolutely. And not necessarily like, I want to be the CEO of Spanx, right? It doesn't have to be that specific. That's great if that's like what your ultimate goal is, but you didn't even know that you were want to that you wanted to f- be the founder of a candy right. Sh- I can never say this word charcuterie yes. charcuterie board. Yeah, right. That wasn't even like a thing when no. you were in, in 2008. And, and I kind of made the statement without even knowing exactly what I was saying, what it looked like. Yep. It was kind of just like one of those things. And, and I'm a huge believer too. Say what you want. Yep. It doesn't matter if it's not coming for 20 years. Correct. Say it. And but and in the same way, like you shouldn't then just always be looking, you know, a hundred yep. yards away. Because guess what? When you get to a hundred yards, that yard line, it's gonna move further. Yep. Because then there'll be the next thing. So I'm a huge proponent too, and just like you not like you fully keep your head down, you have to know what's around, but like you work as hard as you can and focus on the current, the Correct. present. Yep. And like making that the best that it can be. Because yep. you never then know where the other things come from. And you're never guaranteed next no. year. Like, Absolutely not. <laughs> if the yeah. last two years taught us anything, uh-huh. unfortunately, we know that. Yeah. And so make the most of what you can today with what you have, right? But, totally. But keep those goals in the back pocket. Um, so at what point did you meet Matt? Remind me again. Matt's your husband. Yes. Okay. 
Um, we met, I'm like trying to think this is so bad. Um, when did we meet? So it was after I graduated graduate school. He had just, he's from South Florida, but he had just moved to Orlando to start residency program. Okay. And I didn't even know like what that meant. Like a doctor. I'm like, right. I know what a doctor is, but like residency, I don't know. And like I met him literally before he was starting. So we met online on JDate. You did? <laughs> we did. I didn't know that. Yes, back when, before it was even an app. Right. So we were like early adapters to this whole really? thing. Really? Yeah. Uh-huh. I feel like they should like do a commercial on y'all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we were one of their success stories. But when we first met, it was before he really started. And like he like definitely had all this free time and I was working. I'm like, yeah. oh, he's got a lot of free time. What were you doing at that I time? Was, uh, I was working in economic development for a regional planning council. I'm not even going to like pretend I know yeah, what that is. I'm like, right. oh, okay. It's not glamorous, <laughs> not sexy. But it was like a couple of weeks of like, oh, like he's so nice. Like he's always around to like he started and boom. I mean – I wouldn't talk to him for four days at a time. Really? So he did his medical internship before they changed like the laws of how many hours (laughs) people can work and things (laughs) of that nature. So, um, but it worked out, you know, I'm very independent. He's very focused and driven. So I just feel like it worked out. I don't, we, it it was meant to be like, we could, I could handle his schedule and his lifestyle. Because you had your own life. Yes. Right. And because I've just always been independent, yeah. a little bit introverted. So being by myself and with myself, and this is actually a skill I feel like many people like try to work on. And the like one thing I continue to work on, but I've always kind of had like, I'm very comfortable with myself. Yeah. Like I'm fine being by myself. Yeah. So I was lucky yeah. in that regard. In that regard. <laughs> so you are now living in Orlando. Yeah. And mm -hmm. you meet him and then you get married at some point and then Mm -hmm. his, how do you get back up north? So he did an internal medicine residency program and he always knew he wanted to do a specialty, but first you have to do that. Got it. So after he did that training, he had to apply to um, fellowship programs and he always wanted to be a sleep physician, but Mm. it's kind of tied with pulmonary and critical care. So he was looking for, so he was interviewing all over the place, South Carolina, um, Connecticut, New York, uh, and the best opportunity for him was in Connecticut. Okay. So we ended up moving there, picking up and moving. Did you switch jobs? I did. I really had to restart once again. Yeah. Because I worked for a state agency in something super specific, um, totally not glamorous, but where we moved in Connecticut, that was really not the, the case. Mm-hmm. I couldn't really transfer my job. It didn't really make sense. I also moved from the South right. to the Northeast. We're in right. the Northeast. Those Ivy League schools on a resume are yeah. like extremely important and a lot of people have them. Right. I did not. Right. So full disclosure, <laughs> I was like, I'm just going to like reinvent, restart uh, private equity hedge funds. They're huge mm. in the Northeast. I was like, I'm just going to try and work with this recruiting firm. I will just be an executive assistant. I will make up some things on my resume, not going to lie, <laughs> because I knew like I was doing things beyond the capabilities of what I needed right. to do, but I knew I'm the type of person like just show me one time and teach me and I can handle it. Yep. And honestly, I had to do what I had to do. So, you know, yep. <laughs> I you did make it that. Work. So I got a job at a private equity firm in Greenwich, Connecticut, 
And it was being the maternity leave coverage for an executive assistant. And I was working in the finance department. And I just did whatever they mm. told me. It was great. It was a world unlike I had really never seen before. Yeah. Just I went from being at a state agency where you have to record like a coffee that you buy when you're wherever to a place where it's like, what lunch do you want? Order whatever you want on right. Seamless. This kitchen is stocked full. Oh, like, Christmas yes. gift. Here's a, you know, Ramoa luggage. It was like, you know, we going celebrate from happy one hours extreme, on a Tuesday. Yeah, one extreme yeah. to the yeah. other. Yeah. Especially being around that kind of mm-hmm. wealth was just, mm-hmm. it was fascinating, interesting, mind blowing. Um, but I proved myself. They liked me. They offered me a job and that became my job. And I did it for three years and I had great experience. I feel like I learned other skills. Right. Um, I was, as I was working there, I kind of evolved to being um, the executive assistant for two partners and two vice presidents. And I just feel like I managed their entire lives. I work directly with very cool brands, right. like the CEOs of those companies, setting up board meetings, doing things. I mean, don't get me wrong, it was very stressful. <laughs> My bosses traveled four days a week and they were in three different time zones within Ugh. one week in multiple countries. And it was just like very high stress, extremely fast paced, yes. um, extremely intense. People are definitely expect a lot from you like, and you need to get it done yesterday. Mm-hmm. But it was great. And I look back and, you know, this is why it's like, a lot of times you look back and you're like, I, I, I even look back at myself and I'm like, I wish I would have enjoyed mm-hmm. that a little mm-hmm. bit more than I did. Yep. Yep. But, because now you're the person that's yeah, running all over and yeah. doing all those things, right? And also like I could kind of understand some of, you know, the stresses right. and just time was so carefree, yeah. you know, yeah. and I didn't even realize that. Right. And, yeah. you know. In hindsight. Yeah. So at what point did you and Matt say, let's have a family. Let's do this. I think it was, so we were in Turks and Caicos on a vacation, and I guess it was two years before we moved, so I we were on vacation, and we decided, I was like, now's the time, yeah. I think we yeah. should have kids, and Matt's like, oh, and I was like, yeah, when we get, he's like, when we get back from this vacation, <laughs> I was like, okay, I'll go off birth control, I had been on birth control for like my entire life, yeah, yeah. whether it was like to deal with acne mm-hmm. or painful periods. I'm like trying to recall the year, but I don't recall the year. But, but you were living, you were in Connecticut. We were in Connecticut. Yeah. So, yeah. so right about this time. Mm-hmm, right about that time. And so. then t- can, are you open to telling us about that journey? Because I know yeah. there was, there's a lot that happened there. Yeah. No. So I've always had gynecological, I guess, issues, I would call them. Uh-huh. I don't know how else to explain it. So um, I always had like extremely painful periods yeah. to the point of like, you know, couldn't work, couldn't function. So I was just on birth control, continuous cy- a continuous cycle, never got my period, whatever. So you did like the three weeks, three, like you skipped that week. Yeah, okay. I did. Okay. And I had actually been to a fertility specialist prior to even thinking about having children because my gynecologist felt that whatever I had going on was maybe a little bit too um, much for what she could help me with. Okay. And she's like, I just think that you should see this specialist. And when I went to him, you know, he's the one that helped me get on the continuous cycle and all those things. So I already had him like in my back pocket. Um, I went off birth control and I just like never got my period. It just like never came. And I was waiting and waiting. And then finally, after four months, I was, and I'm a huge proponent of this too. Like you need to take your health into your Mm -hmm. own hands. Like you don't wait, you don't, you know, try and figure it out. 
you feel there's a problem, even if your healthcare provider doesn't, like you just keep working at it. You just keep speaking. Find somebody else. Go to another doctor. Totally. Yeah. I went to this doc, my doctor, who it was amazing. And he immediately was like, okay, well, let's see. Let's do some testing. Let's figure it out. It's like, well, it seems like you have PCOS, um, which is like polycystic ovarian syndrome. Yeah. I don't know if that has anything to do with it. But also they found out that I had hypothyroidism. Mm. So they're like, oh, well, we'll definitely put you on Synthroid because like sometimes people just can't get pregnant because like their thyroid is messed right, up. Right, right. So we tried that tried different things. That wasn't working. But oddly, I felt better than I had ever felt in my entire life because I think it was from the hypothyroidism. I think it was really yeah. impacting me and yeah. I didn't even know. So I felt amazing. Um, but just like nothing was working. So then I still never got my period. So they recommended, you know, the IUI, the different right. drugs, the different right. things, did all the things. None of that was working. Still never got my period. <laughs> all these things. And then finally, you know, through discussions with my doctor – um, we got to the point where he's like, I think we need to venture into like IVF. Yeah. So I did IVF. Um, that was just such a journey. I give people like, oh my Ugh. gosh. And I, I have to say, I was extremely fortunate that that's why it's like timing is everything. Yes. So I lived in the state of Connecticut. Connecticut, it is a state law that if you're under the age of 40 and you need to do anything to help you conceive IVF, IUI, your insurance has to cover it. Wait, really? Yes. It's a law. It's so like, it's still it's a, a current law. law. Pretty positive. It was at least back then. Under the age of forty, yeah, at the time. Wow. So I was extremely fortunate. So you pay your deductible, your copay, whatever it is, and you get IVF. Incredible. Yeah. So it was like I was thinking, like everything happens for a reason. Yeah. So I went on that journey. It was insane. Like they're an amazing place at seven a.m. because I didn't want anyone. And at the time, I look back, this was so wrong. I didn't want anyone to know. Mm. Like no one knew I was doing this. Except Why? For my because family. you felt like a failure I, that you couldn't do it as a female on your own. I honestly don't even know why. Okay, it doesn't. I don't know why. I didn't want anyone to know. Yeah, I don't know if I just didn't want people. I don't know. Well, sometimes too, it's like you have to. Once people know, you feel like you have to give them a full report, right? And they have to follow along, and like, right? It's sometimes it's just it's a lot of work. That is true. You I know, mean, yeah, and that is very true. And it's funny you say that because there was. So on one of the um, like embryo transfers mm. that they they did like the implementate implantation and then like oh are you pregnant the first one I did didn't take um, and I think I was just so physically drained mm-hmm. and I remember like it was so funny and this is my personality too which is the nurse <laughs> called me to tell me and she's like I'm so sorry and I'm like oh it's okay it's okay don't worry it's okay and it's like I look back and like it was not okay. Mm. Like, why did I say that? Right. It was not okay. I right. didn't need to make her feel, feel better. Okay. Yeah. I'm like, oh, it's yeah. okay. Yeah. Don't worry. When I I wasn't okay, the situation wasn't okay. And I just remember only my sister and my mom, like, really knew. Oh, obviously my husband. Right. And, and I'm not even someone that's like, oh, like, you know, God feels this way or God imp- impacts that. But for some reason with this instance, I was like, God hates me, mm. which is not true at right. all. Right. God, right. You know. But you're um, in that really but yeah, bad place. But yeah, I was like, he's punishing yeah. me. I did something bad yes. in my life, which is also not true. But I just remember my sister and my mom like trying to call me and like, and I just like, I don't want to mm-hmm. talk to anyone. Mm-hmm. I made up at work and I never did this because like through this whole, the whole IVF journey, I was going at 7am before work to get blood yep. work drawn and you have to go like three times a week. Yep. I was doing no one. It didn't impact my work life from the outside. Right. Everything looked right. fine. So I was like, 
I just said, I have a migraine. I emailed my boss. I have a migraine. I have to go home, which I've never in my life. And even to my two coworkers who were executive assistants, like we were like a family. Yeah. They didn't even know. They didn't know. And like we were the things we went through with these guys. I mean, like the stuff we had to do for them. Like we were very intimate, very close. But even they, I don't know why. They didn't know. Um, And I even lied to them. I was like, I have a migraine. I have to leave right now. I'm really sick. And I just went home got in my bed and crawled on their sheets and laid there. And I remember my mom and sister kept like trying to text me and they're like, well, you don't have to be so mean about this. And I was just like, oh, I like, yeah. I just was like, I can't, I just need like 24 hours yeah, where yeah. I just lay here and I just, I don't know. And like, at that feel point, you, feel. you don't need someone to tell you how you should or exactly. shouldn't feel. You or know, like, like even that's how to react. Right. And I know that they did it out of love and sure. care and like, that's why I try, and I don't know if it's because I've had this experience, just to be so sensitive to other mm-hmm. people going mm-hmm. through this, like especially when people are like, oh my gosh, like, are you pregnant? Are you having another kid? It's like, how about we just, I know curiosity is it just kills the cat and mm-hmm. it's so deep and you want to know. And a lot of times people are trying to be nice and just conversational, but I just think that topic just needs to be like removed from conversation. A thousand percent. You know, and there are things that are okay. It's okay yeah to not want children in life. Yeah. That's yeah. a thousand percent okay. It's okay to only want one child. Right. It doesn't right. mean even that there's something wrong with you. If you want to have six children, yeah. ha- have six children. Yeah. But people just need to like, I don't know, come Mind off, their own business. Off it. Yeah. Like, <laughs> well, it's also one of those things like, it's not a light subject. You're bringing a human being uh-huh. into a very fucked up world. Yeah. And they are going to have to deal with a lot of things. So you as an adult, as a mom, as a dad, whoever, you have to be prepared to lead by example to bring someone into this world, yeah. you know? And it's a luxury. It's a privilege yeah. to, to be a parent. Yep. I mean, the expense of a child alone, yeah. <laughs> you know, so yeah. Somebody asked me recently and it was that I had that same reaction because I, I froze my eggs about uh-huh. almost five years ago now and uh-huh. I'm almost 40 and um, somebody asked me, you know, like, well, are you thinking about, and I'm like, like, and I know that they're coming from a good place, right. but I'm right. like, I've never even like, I've never even approached that subject with you. Right. Like, why would you ask me like out of nowhere just because I'm about to be 40, mm-hmm. you know? And again, I had to like flip the switch from like getting that sort of like, I don't know, like f- ruffled feathers to be like, oh no, like not right now, you know, just yeah. one of those things where I'm like, I'll let you know, trust me. Right. Y'all know that I'm very open on right. Instagram. Everyone will know when I'm going to do exactly. it or if I need to do it. So yeah. And it's, it's just a personal thing. And I just think it's like tagging these ages to certain life events and like making these milestones that it doesn't correlate anymore. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be like that, you know? Nope. So, So, but at some point it worked. Yeah, it did. (laughs) Because you have a daughter. Exactly. Yes. At some point So tell us all about it. Yes. So, um, we did the second, I mean, this is all, I think like over a year and a half, two year process. But we did the second embryo transfer and that worked. I remember we were going to Vegas for my husband's family, like reunion get together situation. So before then we're like, oh, we'll go to, I was like, well, the timing of this, like I just had my embryo transfer. I was like, we can't go to Napa because Mm. I can't even drink anything. We'll go to San Francisco. Um, So we went to San Francisco for a couple of days. It was cold. I was like, didn't feel well, was miserable. Yeah. Still didn't know if I was pregnant. Went to, and they, they said like, don't 
take a pregnancy test right. early. Like, right. don't do it. So then we ended up doing San Francisco, Carmel, and then going to Vegas. So we went to Carmel, and it was just it was so beautiful. It was so peaceful. Yeah. It had been, like, a little bit before two weeks. I'm like, I'm going to take the pregnancy test even though – I'm not supposed to. I'm like, this place is just so beautiful. I'm like, I cannot wait until I get to Las Vegas right. and be sober taking a pregnancy right, test right, in right. this casino hotel. Yeah. I'm like, I have to take it early in this beautiful place. So I did. And it showed that it was like positive but faint. And I was like, oh my gosh. So I was like trying not to get too excited. But so that's technically how I found out. But I always laugh because then we went to Vegas. And at that point, I was still doing like progesterone mm. progesterone shots. Yep. So in the Vegas hotel, the poor cleaning staff in the garbage was <laughs> the needles of my progesterone <laughs> shots and another pregnancy test. So they were probably like, what is going on in this room? Like, this is disturbing. And but they've seen a lot of stuff too, you know? Yes. So they're like, wait, what's happening over here? Right. So it was very interesting being sober in Las Vegas mm-hmm. and having to attend the pool parties and the things yeah. that these people I was like okay. did you just fake it I was just like I don't know I think I was just had been I had also not drank or really like done anything crazy yeah. for so long because I was the type while I was trying to get pregnant I was like I can't drink anything and right. I, I mean I was unnecessarily strict with myself yeah but it was just really funny and I kind of was just like oh my gosh am I really pregnant you know I have <laughs> And then I was. So yeah. that was great. And I was very lucky in the sense that I had a relatively good like pregnancy. Yeah. yeah. Um, did you find yeah. out the gender? Or was I she did. a surprise? Yeah. You didn't I a thousand yeah. percent did. Yeah. Like as soon as we could do that blood test, I was like, let me know. Yeah. But the yeah. whole time I thought I was having a boy. I was just convinced because my husband's family is is all boys. So I yeah. just always assumed, oh, I'm having a boy. Like, do I even need this? to know, but I was like, but I need to know. Right, right, right And then right. I found out and I was like, wait, what? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So your pregnancy is pretty, pretty uh-huh. um, uneventful. Yeah. But the delivery was pretty eventful. Yes, it was. So, yeah. I mean, mm. I was also pregnant for 42 weeks, Ooh. which is <laughs> obscene. Wait, did they I didn't allow know. you to go that long? They made me. I was crying and begging and pleading, please induce me. They're like, well, you'll end up with a C-section. Like, it's not – I mean, I just was in tears, like, complete tears. Like, please induce me. Like, I cannot physically do this anymore. She did not want to come out. So at 42 weeks, which is crazy, went to the hospital to be induced, did the whole, like, Pitocin thing. You spend the night there. Right, right. I was just like, oh, my God, get this baby out. Um, they had to like break my water for her to, you know, to get the process going, whatever. Then the pushing, which like for everyone curious, like all the, I always thought people were like, oh yeah, it was like three pushes and then the baby came out. Or like, you know, you watch on TV or right. like you even watch the video that they have you watch. No one says you're pushing, could be pushing for two and a half hours. Oh. Like you think of the most intense ab work you've ever, ab workout you've ever done in your life and multiply that by like a thousand. I was like, I physically cannot do this anymore. It was also like a barbaric, archaic sort of like yeah. situation. It was it was very interesting. But anyway, after two and a half hours of pushing, she finally decides like to come out. Um, and I mean, it's just, I don't know. You're in the state of shock. But after she came out, I remember she was like on my chest for a second. And then they were like, oh, we're having a hard time getting your placenta out. Um, that's what we're trying to do. Right, and I just right. remember like feeling like a tugging or something. And then they were like, try and like push like you're having a baby. And I did. And then I just remember feeling like this like insane gushing. I oh. like just like gushing. But at this point, like I had been in so many drugs, 
you're on the epidural. I've been awake for God knows. I didn't even know what was happening. And then I just remember they like took Penelope away. And I guess the doctor must have said to my husband like what was going on. But I think he just like maybe was in a state of shock himself. Right. And so basically I had an inverted uterus. So like your uterus, I guess like comes out. But it, it flips and like sort of comes out of position. I was lucky in the sense that mine didn't like fully come out of my body where they would have had to like rush me to emergency surgery. But I remember them saying like, who's get the anesthesiologist back in here? Who's the doctor on call? Get them in here. I remember like all these people like coming in and then like she did, she was able to like manually invert it. But basically that's like getting into a little detail, but like imagine like a veterinarian <laughs> when they wear the glove like all the yeah. way up to their shoulder yeah. and you know it was kind of a situation like that where she was able to manually oh do that God. and I just remember like these people coming by and like pressing on my stomach doctor standing over me I lost like three pints of blood um luckily I was like right at the point of not needing a transfusion yeah. but I needed iron infusions but I didn't even understand what had really happened to me, but I was so out of it. Yeah. And then, you know, they pressure you with this breastfeeding situation. And you're just like, I just remember when that happened and like I was just vomiting and it was just, it was, I mean, it was insane. And it was like, at that point, I just knew like that none of that should have happened. No one knows why such a small percentage. Right. In a way, I was very lucky that I didn't have to have an emergency hysterectomy at the time yeah. or something to save my life. But maternal mortality is actually a huge issue in this country. And Georgia has the worst maternal mortality rate of any state in the really? country. And no data is ever really taken on this blood loss that women have after after delivery. And I don't know what it is, why it's happening, why it's happening more lately. No one really has any answers. Mm. But I just knew after that that, like, something wasn't right, which then led into other issues I had with cervical hemorrhaging, which led into, like, the trauma of me having – I had a hysterectomy when Penelope, my daughter, was seven months old. Wow. That was That was, like, the most – I thought the birth was traumatic, but that was traumatic. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> just because – Traumatic physically, mentally, all of it. It was all of those yeah. things. Um emotionally also because the first night I spent away from my child was spending the night in the hospital. Even though I look back on it, I'm like, thank God it happened then versus now because it would would have been so much more emotionally traumatizing for her when she didn't know anything. Right. So it was, it was almost worth it, but I mean, it almost made sense, but then, you know, you can't lift anything over 18 pounds for a month. My daughter was 19 pounds. Mm. I couldn't lift anything. So my mom, thank God for her, came and like lived with us for a month because also my husband does overnight on call. Mm-hmm. So like say she was crying in the middle of the night and needed to be lifted up, like what would I do? So, you know, and just it's like we talk about emotional things. It, w- yeah. it was just so crazy. Like I didn't realize until afterwards the emotional trauma yeah. because like during the period and it's like a long story of the hemorrhaging and the different things. But during that time frame, it's just like you're just trying to, and this sounds dramatic because I did, wasn't like dying, but it's like you're trying to survive. Right. And you're just like right. whatever needs to be done to yeah. like stop this situation, like that's what you want to do. But then after it's like mm. all said and done and it's quiet, that's when you're just sitting there alone with your thoughts and the events and you're just like, how did this just happen to me? Yeah. And I suffered – what I would call like a PTSD from 
like the gushing and bleeding sort of sensation where I attributed it to like, okay, so finally, like I've had this surgery and I'm not bleeding anymore. But like, as long as I just stay here at home, like nothing will happen. So it was like, even just forcing myself to like go outside and go on a walk was like very emotional for me because I was like, I was fearful. But at the same time, every time I did anything, I felt like, I'm not like a champion, but I felt amazing. Like I remember the first time I exercised after um, the hysterectomy and I was like, I just did that. Yeah. Like, I yeah. Because, you know, it's very painful and the surgery requires a lot of recuperation. And right. just recovery, I guess. Right. Um, but I just felt, you know, and I did go to therapy. I did the therapy and I'm blanking on the name right now, but it's, um, it's like a sound therapy, okay. but it's to help people that have had like a traumatic, traumatic experience yeah, yeah. and it rewires, sort of reprograms the brain. It almost like wipes the memory clean. And the way that they do that is they like make you say a phrase and it's like, or like what you're afraid of. Mm-hmm. And it's like, whether it's, I'm like, why did this happen to me? And then you go through a series of mine was with headphones and a beeping sound and a correlation to what the therapist was telling me. But I swear to God, it worked really like for me a hundred percent. That's why I'm like, therapy, I wish it was more accessible to people. I wish it was more affordable because yeah. like to me, it helped me tremendously. Mm, yeah. Tremendously. Yeah. So at what point did you kind of like, was there ever a, a moment where you stopped and you're like, I'm, will never naturally be able to give birth again? What, like, Was that a thought or was it just like this fight or flight, like get through it, get through it, get through it? Yeah, honestly, for me, I think it was a fight or flight situation. But I remember when the PA of my surgeon came in to talk to me at one point before I had the surgery. And I had become very close with her, like, because my situation was very bizarre. Yeah. We were on a text messaging basis. And she came in and she was, like, telling me that, like, Matt was outside and, you know, was talking about some other alternatives right. or things that maybe we could try before we're eventually going to have to get to this point. And I was just like, you know, and she's like, I don't know if we should like bring the gynecologist in to, to speak with him because pretty much after I delivered Penelope, they told me that having another child myself mm. would be extremely dangerous. Okay. Because so you kind of, of already had that yeah. planted. And Matt himself was like, I don't know if I would ever want to risk going through yeah, that again yeah. because he's like, what, like to lose you over, right. you know? Right. Um, so it was already implanted. But so she was like, I don't know if we should bring the gynecologist in here to, you know, kind of reiterate to Matt and then to yourself mm-hmm. the danger of even everything that has happened up to this point. And if you don't have a hysterectomy, even though they couldn't stop the bleeding, so I had to, but right. Like, it would be the most dangerous. Like, they wouldn't even allow you to have another child. Okay. So, okay. and I basically just said to her, I was like, I don't even need to have that conversation right. because I am just want to live for my child that I have yeah. and yeah. not for, you know. But looking back, I probably should have had that conversation just for more closure. Yeah. But I never fully got closure. I even like requested and paid for all my medical records from my delivery just to like I was trying to read the notes and like because no one would ever say explain to me like, 
why did I have an inverted uterus? Right. So like, oh, it's just an extremely rare thing that happens. Like, to does your my happen. brain would go to the fact that you were two weeks overdue? Like, right. That sound. I know nothing about anything, but uh-huh. that would probably be like, well, because could this have been avoided? Right. If somebody had done something, you know, at forty-one weeks exactly. or whatever. Like, I would have been much better to have a C-section that they were trying to have. Right. Avoid. You know, I right. don't know. There's so many unknowns, and that's what I really had to. You know, everyone just wants closure in your sure, life. And I sure. can break it down to something as superficial and, and silly as like a breakup with mm-hmm, a boyfriend. Mm-hmm. You're in this relationship, you break up, especially when you're younger, there's never closure. It's right. usually immature. <laughs> it's usually done in a ridiculous way. Yeah. But it's kind of, it's like, I have to just be okay with yeah. there's no closure. Yeah. And yeah. this is what it is. Yeah. And so, sometimes you have to heal without having an answer. Exactly. You know? And like being okay with that, which right. is hard. Right. And it's but but at the same time I realize sometimes I'm like, if I had the closure, would it even change anything? No, exactly. Which it probably wouldn't. Right. So it's And like, Penelope's how old now? Four and a half. I can't believe yeah. it. Oh my gosh, she's so cute. Thank she's you. She's so cute. Um, so let's fast forward. You uh-huh. move from Connecticut to Atlanta. You've yeah. got this job. They you've got this baby, right? Everything other so than- I didn't have a job though. So basically, oh, so did you yeah, leave it, that job? It, what happened was my due date was three months before I knew we were moving to Atlanta, but I hadn't told oh, anyone because okay. like Matt had gotten the job. I didn't even, I moved here without even seeing where I was going to live because I couldn't even Got get it. here because I was pregnant. And then at the time was Zika. I know we think about coronavirus Oh yeah, now. that's right. It was a whole Zika thing. Mm. So I was like, don't go anywhere. Don't do this. Right, don't do right, that. Right, right, right. So- I had Penelope and I was on maternity leave and then like I wanted the person of my maternity leave. So Got it. a month before I was like, oh, I'm actually moving to Atlanta. Got it. So we moved and that's where it was like so many changes because like we move, I have a new baby and now I'm no longer working. Wow. So I didn't have a job. But I thought like that was that was it for me. Like yeah. I was going to be a mom and right. that's like what I was going to be. Right, right. And that's what I thought. <laughs> so at what point were you like, no, I want more than that. And, and I'm not saying, I, you know, yeah. more or less. It's just for you. Right. Right. Everybody's different. At what point were you like, okay, Matt's working. I have a baby. I want something. Right. So I think um, it was when she was about 17 or 18 months old. So we moved here. She was three months old. Okay. I had everything going on with my hysterectomy right. between like her six and seven months and then the So all of that happened months. here. Yeah. It okay. Happened here. Okay. Okay. So, and it was kind of carrying on from when I left, right. but it really happened here. Um, so, what, I mean, talk about a very opportune time to yeah, not move. Exactly. <laughs> You're like, exactly. Let me find a new doctor. Now I need a hysterectomy. Now I have right. a child. Right. It, oh it my was, gosh. Yeah. Was Matt like, I love you so much. Thank you for doing this. Well, he was going through his own struggles. I'm sure. I'm sure. He had just started this new job, learning a new system. He still had to take his board exam for sleep medicine. He had already taken pulmonary pulmonary critical care past those, but he still had one board exam left. So he's trying to study for a board exam while working in a new hospital. Oh my God. Yeah, it was... It was a really nice yeah, time, but yeah. that's that's how I always joke. I'm like, that's how we roll. Everything's just like yeah. flying all over the place. Yeah. Well, and you get through something so, difficult like that, and the next thing in your life comes around, you're like, okay, I made it through that. I can do this. Right. You know, it's just practice. Exactly. Really. And so she was 18 months old and started a school. And I feel like that's when I sort of felt like these weird pressures that I shouldn't have felt. Mm. Wanted to do something, and it's so funny looking back on this now with Corona and everyone working from home, but I called my old boss. Um, at the private equity yep, firm was yep. like, I would love to like 
work or do something part-time, if I could do something remotely. And he was like very excited because I can honestly say I was the best assistant he ever had in his life. <laughs> and he knew that. So he was like, great, you know, whatever. And he's like, call me back. And he's like, you know, they had a huge merger. They're now the largest consumer private equity firm in the world. Oh, wow. But they're like, you know, now we have HR and we're a global company. Yeah. So that, he said, this is unprecedented. We've never had this before where someone would work from home, which, oh God, you he, know, he's like. Oh, so he used that word like before it was a thing. Right. So he's <laughs> like, um, so we can't, you know, as much as I would want oh, this to be no. like, we just can't accommodate. So I was like, oh, okay. Like, I which I understood. Right, but right. now looking back, it's so funny. And it's yeah. like, that's why timing is everything. Because if I called him today, it would be like, of course, like, yes. you work remotely. Yeah. Like, not a big deal. So that was kind of going on. And then that's when I just started looking into myself. I was on Instagram. The charcuterie world was yes. really, like, just popping yep. off. And, like, you just – it was just blowing up. Um, and I was like, you know what? Like, I want to do that. Or mm. I can do that. And I love to play around with food and, you know, style and have fun. And I was talking to my mom about it. And I was like, you know what? I just need to do it. Yeah. I just need to, like, just do it. I'm just doing it. Like, I'm just getting the Instagram name. But I didn't tell anyone, like, other than my mom and my sister. <laughs> so I just did it. And, like, just went about it my own private way and just just started. And it's funny because my personal Instagram page, which I'm really not active on, whenever I would post anything on there, it would have to be, I mean, perfect, yep. curated. The only moment I wanted to, sh like, I posted maybe three times a year and it had to be the best picture Perfect ever. Perfect filter and all the things. Everything. All the hashtags. On my business one, yeah. I was like, I just don't even care. Yeah. I just didn't even think about it. And I'm just doing whatever I wanted to do. And then as time evolved, like people I knew were like, wait, you make bo boards? Like what's going on here? And I was like, oh yeah, this is like something I'm doing. And I just... I just kept putting myself out there and it also connected with the charcuterie community, which I like have to give them a lot of credit as well. Because in the beginning when I was doing that, like it was in the beginning, like we were some of the beginning cheese yeah. boarding creative people and they are just, it was a very strong community amazing community. Just as far as supporting you. Supporting. And so there wasn't that like, hey, you're doing it to this sort of competition. Not at all. Okay. And I don't know if it's because when it's cheese, like you're not really shipping that. I don't know. Even mm. a, a lot of them have grown tremendously since when we started. Right. So I don't know how the community right. really works I, now. I sadly am not as engaged as I was because I'm not into cheese yeah. anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the thing that stressed me out. Um, <laughs> but it was ama an amazing place to start. And like, that's how kind of got exposure okay. and okay. the, you know, word of mouth. But then I honestly just like knew people in the community and I just reached out to them. I'm like, hi, can I make you a cheese board? Yeah. Can I make you a candy board? Yeah. Like, I'd like to give this to you for free. And I did. And then something else that I sort of had learned along the way. Like a lot of times like you feel like, oh, like you want to, you, let's say you gave something to someone that's high profile and they didn't post it. Mm -hmm. My tip to people is to like, sometimes people don't have time to create the content. So mm -hmm. create it for them. Mm. So what I did was when I did that with someone, I posted what I made them and tagged them and said that I made that for them. Got and it. then they were kind enough to repost it. And it's like as if then they posted it, but they didn't. Correct. You know? I like that. So it's like a lot of times it's not as personal or deep as you may think it is, just the person may not have time to create the content. Right, right. So just create it for them. Right. Sometimes they'll post it, sometimes they won't. But – 
you know, try. It's all about having expectations. You do something for somebody else, expecting them to do something for you. So just go ahead and do it first. Yeah. And, you know, see what happens. Yeah. And I try, I try never to like have the expectations though, because I just look at it as like, I have to do what I feel is right and what I want to do. And if nothing comes of it, it's fine because I felt that that's what I wanted mm-hmm. to do and I felt that it was right or I was excited just about making something for that person because I wanted to show them like what I right. had. And hopefully they enjoy it yes. regardless and of then, what they do. And then maybe I'll hear back from them. Maybe right. I won't. And right. then sometimes you do and sometimes you don't. Right, so. right, 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 right. Or somebody yeah. that you didn't expect actually does something for you and you're like, oh, I put my energy over here and this happened instead. A thousand percent. And with social media, what I always tell people is you never know who is watching. Mm -hmm. You never know. So while someone may post your work or your product and you you may not think you got anything out of it because maybe you didn't get the return on the sales, maybe you didn't get the followers. Right. What I've experienced with some of those examples, some of those people have followers in the industry, in a certain business industry, and they're watching. And then they reach out to you and offer you an opportunity to do something that's like, you're like, wait, what? And okay. how did you hear about me? And yeah. it's through that person. So it's Got like, it. it doesn't always even come immediately. And you just never know who's watching today because brands have so many young people working for them. And young people are on TikTok. They're on Instagram, yeah, they're yeah. all watching. And then they're the ones making the decisions right. based on, you know, on certain things. So it's just, I always look at it as like, you never know who's watching. Did you feel like, okay, I'm asking this kind of for a personal selfish mm-hmm. reason. Sometimes I feel like with reels and TikTok, like it's so freaking overwhelming. Like how do these people put it together? Right? So obviously as you, you made this transition from, um, cheese, you're like, I'm just going to stick with candy. Uh-huh. And I think like, you've talked about this before in your story, like it's easier to package. You can send it. It's not going to spoil, right? Mm-hmm. All these things. Right. So at what point where you're like, okay, I need to get into this TikTok world and this reels world. And like, did you figure all that out on your own? I have to say it was a combination. I'm very lucky that I hired young people. I'm 37. <laughs> the people that I hired are in their twenties and they know all about those things. Okay. And I know nothing. Yeah. And I always say, And I've heard this before, like the greatest leaders hire the smartest people. Yes. Like, and that's what I want to do. I'm here to lead. I have a direction. I have a vision, but I want people that are smarter than me around me. I want them to teach me, to show me. I don't want to hire someone that's, you know, on the same level as me because that's not pushing me. That's not bringing something new to the table because I also cannot do it all. Right. And I want to get to the point where I'm only doing, I have to say this, but like, (laughs) Rob Deirdrick said this. Like, yeah, put it the out there. where you're only doing what you want to do, what right. you like to do in the business. And then the things that you don't like to do, you're not doing. The yeah. person that is skilled in that is doing that. And yeah. you don't have to do them anymore. So, Well, that's an entrepreneurial mindset. Right. It's like at first you have to be – you are going to do 110%. Yep. If you have this – if you go into a business or you start something thinking right off the bat, I'm going to hire everyone to do everything, like you're in the wrong business. A hundred percent. Right. You, you, yeah. I, I watch Shark Tank like mm-hmm. hours. I will watch five hours in a row and that's like one of the biggest things they talk about. When they all started, we see them where they are now. Right. Right. Yes, that must be nice to make billions of dollars. But when they started, they were doing everything. They were going door to door and selling whatever, like – you literally did everything. Yeah. I remember yeah. you were doing everything mm-hmm. 
And you finally got to a place where, okay, now you had an office. Right. Okay, now you had an assistant. Like, we see the end result and we forget where these people came from. A thousand percent. They don't see you, like, on the floor, like, (laughs) shoving in food for five minutes before you have to go do a million other things. They don't see you crying over, like, literally spilled milk. Right. You know what I mean? Like, that sort of thing. Um, Yeah. There's just a huge process. But I am so you know, lucky that I'm at this point where I can bring on team members and I brought on young team members and they told me like, you need to get on TikTok. Like it's a must. I was like, you know what? I don't really get TikTok. And this is the same thing that, you know, bringing up Tinks again, that she said on a podcast that I heard her say that I just found like extremely poignant and just Mm -hmm. relevant because I was like this, like, I don't get TikTok. Like it doesn't make sense. Like, eh, like, I don't know. It's like, that's, that's awful. Like, be present. Want like want to learn new things. Evolve. Don't be like I don't get that. That's for young people right. because I didn't even know what it was. Right. I thought TikTok people were just on there dancing. I had no idea how informational and it yeah. is taking over the world. Yeah. Yeah. And I understand why. And coming from Instagram, TikTok was the most refreshing place I had been. Mm. People do not give two fucks. They don't have to have their makeup and hair done. They're in a huge sweatshirt with a bun on their head doing what they want to do. You pick your niche. You go down a rabbit hole. There's a whole world in there. Whether it's cooking. Whether it's working out. Anything. Yeah. But people just, I feel like it's a very casual platform and I like it. Yep. Meanwhile, there is a side that is very dangerous, very negative, horrible harassment and bullying to the point of where... I worry for my own child. You know, there was a point on there. So so we went on TikTok okay, and we happened okay. to go viral many times. Like right now we're at 85,000 followers, which on TikTok, like that's That's great. Huge. Yeah. And it's, I loved it because it was like, it was just a creative outlet where you're just creating and you don't really care and you're right. posting just what, whatever you want to post. It's so different from my Instagram. It wasn't picture perfect. It wasn't mm. curated. It's just having fun, doing whatever we want to do. And I wasn't even showing my face, like hardly at all. I don't show my family on there. Um, It's really just about the candy. But at one point when we went viral, the hate Mm. and the viciousness that came with it was something like I had never experienced or imagined in my life. When we started, my team member told me, I just want to let you know, on this platform, people can be kind of mean. And I'm like, I'm 37 years old. Like, yeah. it's not going to bother it's me. It's candy like, too, what right? Like, what are they going to say? Right. Well, <laughs> it was a lot. When you're getting thousands of messages of negativity every single day, it I didn't realize like how impactful that could be. Yeah, yeah. So we got to the point where we turned off comments for a little while and then that died down and then it was like sort of not viral and it's almost like, it's a really weird place. Like you either go viral, people love you or they hate you. Mm. It's like a very mm-hmm. strange thing. Um, but then we just kept working at it. Sometimes the videos don't really get good views, but it's like you just create the content you want to create, do what you want to see, have fun with it. Um, and then like we just randomly went viral again over something else and like are on that um, sort of tipping point. The comments aren't as negative. Some right. of them are. Right. But the way, and this is, also crazy that it took my 20-year-old intern, different person, <laughs> um, who actually found us through tech- TikTok based in Atlanta. She was amazing. She was an amazing video editor. Yeah. 
so smart, so creative, but it took her in her interview. And I, this is why I knew I was like, I have to hire her. She, I, I broached the subject with her cause she's obs- literally obsessed with TikTok yeah. and knew so much about it in, in this marketing class in college. And I was like, you know, it's just the negativity and my sales don't really come from TikTok. And she's like, well, professor once told me, and the way I try and look at it is you are taking up real estate in someone's brain. Mm. And I was like, oh my gosh. I was like, you are hired because that's exactly what I'm doing. Yeah. It doesn't matter if they never buy from me. Right. And people should look at this even in their own personal lives when people are talking about them. You are taking up real estate in someone else's brain. So good for you. If someone watches your stories every day on Instagram, like they're spending however many, you know, minutes a day consuming you. Right. Like that's a that's a big um that's a big ask. Like I always say this, even if you have one follower on Instagram, mm-hmm. you have influence. Oh, absolutely. Right? Like you're absolutely. still and I hate the word I hate the influencer thing. I, like I but it is. It's true, right? You can either influence people to think better about themselves, mm-hmm. to buy a product, to whatever you want. Uh-huh. So it's up to you what you choose to consume. Right. And like that's spot on. So do you put more of your energy and efforts into Instagram or energy and efforts into TikTok now? So honestly, I try and keep it equal. I guess Instagram is where I can generate sales. Okay. But that's why I look at TikTok. So the reality of the situation is this, in my mind. Yeah, how does this work? (laughs) Being a content creator, which is now what I look at myself as, and learning from other content creators. The days of Instagram where everything has to look perfect mm-hmm. and the grid has to look perfect mm-hmm. and it has to have a thematic color design are over. It is gone. Yeah. No one wants to see that anymore. And even the people that say they want to see that, they they don't really. Right. Because you don't it, – it's, it's too perfect. You don't care. It's not real. Well, and I also feel like, you know, a year, year and a half ago, you would go to somebody's profile and you would go and look at their page. Uh-huh. And like my posts, they don't even get as many likes as no. they used to because no one's doing that. And don't even care about the likes. Okay. I personally okay. don't care about the likes because think when was the last time you liked a photo? Right, 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 I right, have right, to right. Actually, tell myself, wait, wait, double tap. This is someone yes. I like. Yes. like their photo. Yes, like, yes I just yes. am scrolling and I don't even think. About, and I barely even scroll anymore. Yeah. I just go to Same. stories. Same. So. I think the most important thing you can create is video content. Okay. I think that's what people want to see. That's where followers and sales have come personally from my business. I still do do the pretty photo shoots and, you know, curated content because I feel like I'm selling a product and I feel like that's still important for the brand. But I, it's funny, like, my team is like, oh, you just just want to throw those up there so you could get to creating the video content that right. you like, which is true right. because it's fun to create. And I just think it's easier to teach someone something, have them learn something, have them get a takeaway yep. from a video. Looking at a static post, there's no, there's no dimension to right. it. It's just right. flat. So while I still think in a way, maybe it's a little bit important, I still do it, I think, because I like it. At the end of the day, the videos are the most important thing. The reels, that's what helped me recently gain like 10,000 followers or almost 8,000 on Instagram even, okay. which is okay. interesting. Um, and it takes a while. I've been yeah. posting reels for a year. Right, It right, just right, right. takes knowing what's going to hit um, to, to really make it hit. But I focus both on TikTok and on Instagram because I do feel Instagram is going through evolutionary <laughs> yes. change, yeah. evolutionary pain. Yes. I don't really know. Yeah. 
and people love TikTok. They just do. So for a content creator, right? Mm-hmm. Let's let's candy business aside. Um, what are your top tips? And I I saw something the other day where it's like, if you want to do something, just start. And and this uh-huh. is very much your story. Um, but it said, if you want to be a content creator, create content. If you want to be a trainer, start working out. If you want, you know what I mean? Like right, yeah. just start somewhere for, so for somebody that's like just kind of getting started, mm-hmm. what are kind of like your go-to tips as far as, you know, the apps that you use to create the videos, mm-hmm. um, any hashtag, like what would be your, you know, just quick go-to tips to somebody? I would say the number one thing is you have to create the content that you want to consume. Mm. So what you want to see, create that. Don't create for anyone else. And it's that literal don't give a fuck mentality. Yes. Do not worry. Oh, is someone going to think like this one hand movement is weird or this shirt? It does not matter. Because at the end of the day, that person is just one person. And you may open up a door to thousands of people that are loving what you just did because it was authentically you. Yep. So create the content you want to consume. Be authentic. People are smart. They see right through it. They don't want, you know, the nonsense. The bullshit. Get right to it. I would say teach people something, entertain them, or show them something either new or show it to them in a way that they've never seen before. I think those are really important tips um, to creating content. I don't, I still need to learn how to use the fancy editors and apps. Yeah. I don't know how to use any of them. Um, but you I, hire people that do, right? I do. And like, I do create a lot of uh, my own content okay. now. I had an amazing intern and she helped me a lot with videos, but then she went back to college. So all of my Instagram reels, I create on my own and I've just taught myself how to do it. Prequill is a great app for like, editing mm-hmm. color. Okay. Um, but I did download something recently and I can't remember the name of it, but I've yet to try it because I've just been using Instagram yeah. to do it, yeah. which is not the best way, but it's worked thus yeah. far. Um, TikTok is a little bit different. And I've, I use the strategy that I heard from other content creators, which is for a month, be dedicated to posting every single day, two to three times for one whole month. So In those times when you're posting each day, try and post a different type of video each day so that then when at the end of the month, you can see what video, what style happens to do the best or what people are liking the best, that then you can, you can do that. But with TikTok, it's honestly, to me, it's just continuous posting. Like you take time off, it's gonna, it's gonna hurt you. You have to just keep posting. And just don't worry about it. People are not it, – it's different than Instagram too because it's not like if you follow them. Like I'm always on my For You page. So I just see what what TikTok wants me to see. Got it. I don't go on my like follower page as much. Okay. I don't even know why. So it's really just pushing content out, a lot of content. Instagram, you don't need to push out as much right. content. But there you do. I use the hashtags. I don't really know if they work, if they don't. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what really the trick is, but definitely engaging. If people comment, comment back. Right. Whether it's good, whether it's bad. Well, what's that saying? You like you throw the kitchen sink and see yeah. what sticks or whatever uh-huh. it is. It's like yeah, it's you of, almost yeah. can't mess up. Right. We're all so afraid in starting a business of messing up. And it's like, again, if you're a good human, if you have, you know what I mean? Like if you're not an asshole and you're doing bad things, right? That's a different story. But if you're just getting stuff out there, and I love what you said about create what you want to see because mm-hmm. that's what you're going to attract. Right. 
And I think we're both believers in attraction marketing and like, you know, what you put out there in the universe and the world, what you think about that's going to come back to you twofold. So as far as like your personal life Mm -hmm. growing as um, an entrepreneur, what do you consume? Who do you listen to? What do you watch? What do you do for your mental, physical health? Mm -hmm. So this I actually struggle with. And I just had a conversation um, with a trainer about this because, you know, I made a statement like, so time is, you know, precious yeah. and I don't have a lot of it, but I can't complain because a lot of people don't have time right, and a lot right. of people are overworked and a lot of people are tired, right. but I've sort of let my mental health, physical health kind of take a backseat. And I did that over the holidays a little mm-hmm. bit. And I knew that that was sort of going to happen, but I spoke to this trainer recently who was like, cause I, I attributed him like, oh, I'm not in as good of shape as I was because I stopped lifting weights in this one class. And he's just like, not really. Like, mm. just because you're going to lift weights doesn't mean you're going to get back in shape. Right. It's like, it's consistency. Right. And he also said something else that I thought was really good. And I'm going to meet with him next week. And it was just, I just really liked it because he was like, you know, recovery is really important. Mm-hmm. He's like, do you like to get your nails done? He's like, that needs to be on the schedule. Getting a manicure. He's mm-hmm. like, you want to get a facial, whatever it is, put that on the schedule. And it's like, you know, I feel guilty sometimes when I'm like, oh, I have to get a manicure. Right. It's like, no, like that's part of your recovery. It's part of your mental health, Yeah, whatever it is. Brings so, you joy, whatever. Yes, yeah. and that's what it's about. But yeah. so I'm trying to figure out how to create a better schedule for myself. I think scheduling is really important, but I'm also trying to not look at my phone for the first 30 minutes when I wake up. Mm. That is my new thing. I started out at 10 minutes. And I worked myself up to 30 minutes. Yep. And I realized I'm not the president of the United States. Yep. In 30 minutes, <laughs> nothing gonna go is going to happen. Right, right. Where if I didn't see it or I didn't address it, that the world is going right, to end. Right. Like it's going to be it. Okay. Well, you must have also listened because I know you listen to Ed Mila and I'm, <laughs> I love him, obsessed with him. But um, he was talking about, I think it was the most recent episode on Skinny Confidential. Um, when she was asking him about what he does in the morning mm-hmm. and he literally gets up, he prays mm-hmm. and he consumes, you know, a certain amount of water. Like right. he has a whole list of what he does in the morning. Right. So is, I wonder if that's where the, the 30 minutes so, came from. Yeah. I actually, well, not with the phone thing, oddly. Like I already had that goal in my mind, but I listened to him on the skinny confidential on a different episode. And that's where he talked about the routine being key and the consistency and having 30 minute routine in the morning and a 30 minute routine at night. And I was like, oh, 30 minutes. And it's like, I could, anyone could do anything for 30 minutes. Right. And I realized like, you know, I really need to have a routine because when you have a routine, you know what to expect. It's part of a ritual. It sets the tone for the day. And I'm trying to add that to my life. So it's the not checking the phone. It's something as simple as ice rolling. Yeah. I got into that from one of my team members. Yep. It feels so good. I would love to do the Wim Hof breathing method. Oh I my gosh. the app. Yes. Someone actually told me that they have their child do it and that it, that it helps them so much because they can't express how they're feeling and yep. they have all these big feelings and the breathing helps them. Yep. So I am going to broach that with Penelope. I tried with her yesterday. She wasn't extremely receptive. <laughs> she wasn't in the proper mood. But I also look at it as like, if you're in control of your breath and your mind, you are at such an advantage over yeah. other people. Yeah. So if I could have my child be in control of her breath and her mind, like 
what a leg up. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yes, 100%. I'm still trying to get in control of that. Right. So that is something I want to integrate. I would love to cold plunge, but oh gosh, I don't live in that. Yeah. In, a, in an environment that, and that's just an excuse actually, because I should cold shower because I could do that. Yeah. But I have to work up to that because yeah. I hate being cold. Like I don't like being cold. So I like but, to listen to books. I like, uh, I oh, walk a lot uh-huh. and his book is very interesting. Wim okay. Hof's book. Yes. Very interesting. I saw a documentary on it, but I do need yeah. to read it. Well, his story is um, very interesting. Yes. Oh my gosh. Like, yeah. Talk about like, whew, came from Heavy. nothing and then mm. had a, you know, his, his wife yeah. killed herself and he was mm. left with like three or four kids. I forgot how many, but right. um, very inspirational. Um, do you do a lot of reading? I don't. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't really either. read, and I feel like that's something I do want to incorporate back into my life, but I don't. Um, But I I am trying, like, even the ice rolling, that's, like, freezing cold on your face in the morning. So I feel I'm going to work up to it. And I feel like that's what – if anyone gets anything out of anything we're talking about, it's like, you know, Rome wasn't built in a day. Any subject matter, it doesn't have to happen in a day. You work up to it. And that's how I look at it. And the same thing as what you are saying about, like, the ultimate goal, mm-hmm. like always trying to reach that, just take baby steps mm-hmm. to start. Like, mm-hmm. and that's what I'm just trying to do. I started with 10 minutes of not looking at my phone and I worked my way to 30 minutes. I'm now ice rolling, putting like cold ice on my face. Let me see. Maybe I'll work up to taking cold showers right. in the morning. I right. haven't even decided yet. Right. I'm still trying to figure out what my routine needs to look like right. that best suits my lifestyle and my life. And I think as an entrepreneur, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, um, a lot of people get into business and think business, business, business. And like, no, you are the face of your business. Excuse me. You have to be solid in who you are and what you do and how you take care of yourself for your business to reflect, right? Mm -hmm. And vice versa. So it's okay to have kind of almost two separate tracks. Like this is my business track and this is my personal but both of them have to be coinciding and merge at some point in your life. Like I think of my dad, um, I barely saw him when I was home at Christmas. He was working so hard. But on Christmas Day, we came home and he got on the bike and lifted weights at 8.30 p.m. on Christmas Day because for him, Mm -hmm. that's what keeps him healthy. That's what keeps him focused. That's what keeps him mentally sane so that he could get up on that Sunday and go with us as a family to New York and take a day off. Like all of these things as a business owner, you have to remember you are your business, whether you sell however many candy boards or not, like ultimately it's only as successful as you are walking around this earth every day. Right. And my attitude and my, how I feel about myself and how I interact with other people. And, and I think what you're, talking about too that's something I struggle with and I you know it's something I will always have to work at is being present yeah you know and I feel like my husband does a good job of that just because he has a schedule where he is gone a lot and he does work a lot but when he's home it's like he's very present and I am not as present and need to work on that Mm. because you know it's very hard for me to turn off because a lot of my customers communicate with me via dms there is always some kind of issue you could regarding a business, deliveries, shipments, packages, inventory, the list goes on and on. Yeah. So I'm definitely trying to work at, and it's hard when I'm home and especially with Penelope, right. just trying to focus on her yeah. and what I'm doing. 
But I'm not going to lie. I, I would say I'm not that good at that because I'm trying yeah. to get dinner. I'm trying to get this. Right. The house is right. a mess. Like, it's just so. Well, it's a double-edged sword. Yeah. You have the capacity to work from home, but now you also feel like, okay, I have to be always on versus like Matt that goes to a job physically. Like, he right. physically cannot work from home for the right. most part, right? Yeah. So that's, Relative, yeah. that's kind of where that, you know. And the past two years, now that most everybody is finding that they can work from home, it's like, okay, how do I separate that, walk away from my desk when my yeah. desk is in the next room or whatever it is, or I'm on right. my phone, um, and I can also access my business on my phone. Like, how do you separate that? So is that like one of your big goals for this year as far as like personally? Yes. For me, yes. It's the routine setting. Yeah. It's the being present. Obviously I have like growth goals. Sure, sure. Um, but really personal, I would say, is having figuring out the routine. And I'm allowing myself a lot of time. You yeah. know, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. I'm starting small. I don't even know I haven't put it in a box what the routine needs to look like, mm-hmm. how many steps it needs to have. Because it doesn't yeah. even need to have them. Um so that and being present yeah. is really, yeah, yeah. those are. Goals. So let's just get down really quick. I want to kind of wrap it up because I just looked at the clock and I'm like, oh my gosh, we've been chatting for a <laughs> long time. Um, people buy candy boards for mm-hmm. what would you say the big, like a gift giving or where do you see the most business come from? And like, not even like necessarily a holiday, but mm-hmm. um, where does the business come from? So people really buy them for all sorts of different reasons. Okay. Like, yes, our holidays for sure are like our greatest yeah. time because people yeah. are buying them as gifts. But we have customers that buy candy boards for themselves literally every single week because that's what they like. They enjoy the candy. They find that it's nice to like put out. I have one customer. She buys two small boards every two weeks and she says she's lost 10 pounds since she wow. started this. No lie. And she's like, she says the candy just tastes better. It's richer. Um, I'm able to just enjoy a piece or two. Yeah. And I, and this is an aside, but I, I always try and like, I want a platform where I could actually say this out loud where people are like, oh, does she eat the candy? Or like, candy's so unhealthy. It's like, there. Let think back mm-hmm. to this in your life. And I know as women, like, there's a million food issues and we've all done this. You're at home and it's midday or it's night and you're craving something sweet and you want a piece of candy and it's in the drawer, but you're like, I'm not going to eat the candy today. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to make myself a banana with peanut butter. You Mm. have your banana with peanut butter. Oh, I really want that piece of candy. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to have some yogurt now because that would be great. A little time passes. I really want that piece of candy. You know what I'll do? Uh, Maybe even maybe I'll have some, which I have some dip and salad. You've just consumed (laughs) how many calories? I don't even know. Maybe I'll have some popcorn. Avoiding the actual. You probably at the end of the day then go and eat the candy. Right. It's like just eat the candy. You yes, I get it. Trust me. That should be your hashtag. Just eat the candy. (laughs) So like, you know, when people are like, oh, you can't eat candy, it's like you can eat candy. Just with anything in life, it's balance, yeah. it's moderation, yeah. it's enjoying it. But that back on and off on a tangent, <laughs> but I just like, always wanted to say that. I'm like, you know, yeah. these things, we we convince ourselves in our mind. Yes. Yeah. So I have one amazing customer like that. But really, it's just a plethora of real, birthday parties, yeah. congratulations. We've done a lot of like corporate branding events, um, gifting, law firm gifts. We worked with some bigger brands like Spanx, Snapchat. Instagram. So you um, will you do a custom board for a company or somebody if they want it? Or yes. Is, if, okay. if it's in our ability yeah. and in our wheelhouse, we You're don't like, do like custom letters right, or numbers right. or things like that. 
But um, events, like I've got this yeah. going on and these are our, this is our color scheme or whatever. Yes, You'll absolutely. do something like that. And that's that. what we've done before and themes for different meetings for people yeah. and things like that. I just think it's so unique. It's so standout. Candy makes everyone happy. It's nostalgic. I mean, mm-hmm. candy makes me think of just so many different things. Um, and it's just so much fun. And it's, it's so and it's pretty. It's like a yeah. pop of color too mm-hmm. to to whatever event you're hosting. Yeah. Or, um Absolutely. like um you have businesses that will have it, they'll get them mm-hmm. delivered weekly so that they're like in their boardroom or yeah. in their break room or whatever, like just for their employees and right. just like a little just sweet fun treat things for them. That are out when Addison Ray, who's a TikTok yeah. star, <laughs> when she launched her beauty line, her marketing team reached out to us and they um we made them some candy boards to have at the like the influencer launch yeah. situation so there's just like a lot of different opportunities it's a lot of fun it's also just it's funny now like we see the notes that people write with the package and a lot of people during the past like i would say three weeks sure we're gifting like oh my gosh like you have corona like enjoy this sweet mm. candy board people were so creative with the notes it was we were literally laughing out loud um but that has been a popular thing you know you can't see someone right. you can't right. drop anything off to them so send them something and yeah. send them a food item and you know there's nothing better yeah. than candy i love that i love <laughs> yeah. that so where can everyone find you atlboards.com is our website you can order anything you want on the website ship directly to your doorstep anywhere and everywhere in the united states and then follow us on tiktok just at at atlboards and then instagram or at atlboards underscore okay perfect good to know yeah thank you elizabeth this was so much fun thank you so much i I so appreciate it you're doing amazing things and it's honestly like an honor and a pleasure thank you thank you thank you well a couple years from now i know we're gonna loop back around and we're gonna have all the other things to talk about when all of our goals start to really pick up so i appreciate your time and thanks for coming on thank you you're welcome Thank you guys so much for listening to this week's episode. The biggest compliment I ever receive is when you like the episode, you share it with your friends and your family or a stranger that is in need of hearing this information and from these beautiful guests. And then also to give us a five-star review wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. I would also love to hear from you. So if you would like, you can DM me at six feet above podcast on Instagram, or send me an email six feet above podcast at gmail.com. So that's six, the number six feet above podcast at gmail.com. I would love to hear your questions, your comments, your feedback, your suggestions, and also any guests that you would love to hear from in the future. Thanks for listening.